0: Everyone, welcome back to Industry Therapy. Based on our mission, TIP aims to bring together all stakeholders and sectors within the telecommunications ecosystem to learn from each other and how we can best support each other to overcome the challenges with the development of wireless infrastructure. Today we're going to talk with Jerry Bowman, who is the TR60 Engineering Committee Chair and David Cuthbertson, who is the tr 60b Subcommittee Chair, to learn more about TIA's TR-60 Committee.
1: Welcome to Telecommunications Industry Therapy, the podcast that discusses issues arising from the rapid advancement and deployment of telecommunications infrastructure. This podcast is provided by the Telecommunications Industry Foundation, this podcast, as well as much more additional content, can be found at tiffonline.org. Please welcome your hosts, Michelle Kang and Scott Stecker.
0: So, welcome to the show, Jerry and David. Thanks for being here.
2: Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, thanks, Michelle.
0: I guess before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves?
2: Sure, I'll go first. This is Jerry Bowman. Uh, I am, as Michelle said, the chair of TR60. Uh, and, uh, and I manage the development of the, th- the suite of 30 standards uh, through subcommittee chairs. David is the, the chair of the, um, of the Information Management Subcommittee. Uh, I live, obviously, in the U.S., in Ohio, and uh, my day job, I work managing a, a technology uh, group that, oddly enough, deals with some of the content and some of the the processes that we use in TR60. David?
3: Hello. Yeah, my name is Dave Cuthbertson. Uh, I'm based in the UK, uh, but I've known Jerry for many, many years. And uh, uh, my day job is specializing in uh, how you document infrastructure and developing software for that. And uh, I was uh, uh, brought on board by Jerry um, to head up the committee, eventually elected, to actually uh, set up uh, the first standard, and to actually develop that as part of the framework, and uh, that's on information management of
1: technical infrastructure. So, Dave, you're in the UK. Jerry, you're in Ohio. How did you two meet, and how are you involved with Tiatr sixty?
2: So, this, this is an interesting story, or I hope it's interesting. We, um, I was, uh, I was an elected official in Vixie, and when I was vice uh, elected. Uh, president-elect in Bixi, um, I had traveled to Dubai for a conference, and at that time I was running a managed services business, and we had, we had a, a a real problem with documentation and how to manage information in this managed services business. So I had fi- hired five programmers, uh, coders uh, from Spain, and they were in the process of writing a tool um a database for me to use so i'm walking around this uh this bixie conference and show in uh, dubai and uh, there was this guy that that was clearly not from the us uh, had a booth uh uh called assetgen and uh, it was david and uh i introduced myself and he introduced himself told me what he was doing and uh, i said uh Wait a minute! I'm doing that, and he already had it done. So I, I I stepped away from the booth, and I called and I fired all my programmers, and I I started using David to do the work. So David and I met, and that was probably David what twelve or thirteen years ago. So David and I ever since then have worked because I figured out that he could do things that I couldn't.
3: Uh, and although I'm based in the UK. Um very much uh, the issues around infrastructure and IT systems and mobile phones and anything to do with you know information management and data communications is a worldwide thing so probably about half of my work is done with US agencies uh, it could be commercial organizations federal agencies government and other things it doesn't really matter where they are so Jerry and I've had a constant on-off uh, uh, relationship depending on work and projects and other things uh, for many years and uh, Um, There was Jerry, that I think, spoke with the TIA, and they were saying, we're looking to develop a standard for managing IT systems over the long term. And uh, Jerry reached out and found uh, there wasn't actually many other people in the world who understands about documentation and information management. And so uh, uh, after a process, uh, that's how we ended up uh, working together on this uh, committee.
2: Nice. And and you know what, Scott? I'm sorry to interrupt, but there was an important point, and the reason that it clicked, when David and I met is because there was an unmet need. The industry struggled for years just to get the performance-based standards in place so that we had consistency and interoperability and all those great things that we strive for. The problem was that nobody's eye was on the management ball, right, On, on how to take care of this technology once you'd implemented it, installed it. And David and I really were focused on that because we saw the gaps, we saw the messes that were created by bad management. And so the reason this relationship took off and the reason we've worked together is that we're solving in our commercial lives and in our standards lives, we're solving problems that nobody else worried about up until a few years ago.
1: Nice. Dave, I have a follow-up question on what you were talking about. So Can you help us understand the reach of TIA internationally? I mean, you guys are meeting in Dubai, you're hiring people from Spain. I think of TIA as a US based organization. Is there outreach there internationally that maybe I'm not understanding?
3: Um, Basically, yeah, because I would say just as a very general thing, a lot of the innovation and particularly IT technology has come from the US. Uh, and the US has a bigger marketplace, there's been a need to develop the standards to be able to cope with the scale and the amount of money that's involved in all of this. And so uh, I was very much involved in using TIA standards like TIA 942 for data centers, but because a lot of work that I do is also in the cabling infrastructure, the TIA standards for cabling uh, have been reused and incorporated into Bixi standards and other things. And there's really been no equivalent worldwide. Uh, More recently, uh, Europe has been trying to develop its own standards and a few others, but it's the the reach of the US and also yeah, you know, a lot of US organizations are multinational. So when I was uh, looking to uh, say, can we get some of what we see on a daily basis incorporated into a standard, basically to make people more effective and to organize themselves. The natural place was, was the, the TIA. Um, I've been a Bixie committee member for many years, both in the UK, but also in the US. Uh, and I've served in many different trade bodies, like the British Computer Society and other things. But actually the natural place for this was where you could say the problems are the biggest, and also there's a lot of legacy infrastructure as well as new. And so very much the important thing about lifecycle management of the infrastructure is you've got to be able to cope with all the old and the new and the issues with people's skills and also differing requirements. You know, cybersecurity was an issue years ago, that is now changing and influencing the way people manage. So that's how we can almost say the TIA is in quite a unique position, but we've just focused ourselves around the telecommunications side of infrastructure. Uh, And that's really, I could say, where my my own personal background is. I do a lot of work in applications and various other things, but um, the infrastructure is difficult enough. Right, right. Thank you for that.
2: Hey, Scott, the only thing I would clarify um, as a trade association, the companies that we work for own actually uh, are members of TIA, and sometimes the lines blur because uh, for example, the the programmers that I had and the international presence at that time was a commercial venture. But TIA benefits because its members contribute what you know knowledge and content from what they do and sort of help guide the creation of the standards. So the TIA didn't hire Spanish programmers. They didn't have an office in in the, in, in Prague, right? Like mm-hmm. I did at that time, but they benefited from it because David and I have been working in this business for a while. That's
1: a super interesting perspective of how, yeah, the, the reach of the individual member companies can be fairly substantial worldwide. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so Jerry, TR60 is fairly new. When was it established and obviously the focus is lifecycle management, but what is that?
2: So let's go back to the origin. So um, as I said, David and I have been working, David actually longer in the information management side, but on the um, as a designer, as an auditor, you know, involved in technology, I had worked started working about 12 years ago really seriously on sort of capturing the day two management processes and and primarily because we were fixing messes, right? You know, we had some customers who had, well, cabling is easy because it's a visual thing. We had customers who their, their racks looked like spaghetti, right? And well, they didn't start out looking that way, so why are that way three years from now? I had data centers where the, the the floor tiles were spongy because they had put so much cabling underneath that they hadn't managed it properly, and you sank when you walked on the floor tile, right? To the point where we were rebuilding three-year-old data centers because of mismanagement. So what happened was I had contacts in the leadership of, of TIA about three years ago, and they knew what I did. And they said, look, we have focused on on day one and before we really don't have a focus on day two management. Would you be interested in in starting or helping us start, if we can get board approval, a standard or a suite of standards that addresses day two management? And so that really was the origin. So I wrote all the white papers, I worked with the board, they finally approved the creation of TR-60 and then we spent the first couple of years defining what that meant. And the reason I say that is because there are, there are very few uh, standards that start from a blank sheet of paper. Uh, 942, which is the most popular, well-known TIA standard that deals with the commercial uh, wiring and cabling and, and spaces, um, was really, you know, had a lot of content from the Bell system. From Bellcore standards and all that. So they really didn't start with a blank sheet of paper. We started with nothing. And so David and I and our committee members really have assembled the roadmap and the framework that identified, named, uh, and described 30 standards that we want to create in the next five or so years. And so that's how, what was the origin of the standard? So um, I'm sorry, I've, I've lost your second question.
1: Well, it was I just, I think you covered it really. I mean, okay. lifecycle management is the management after day, day one, right? Day two and beyond.
2: It is. And I would expand on it just a little bit because um, lifecycle management to a typical IT person is ensuring that their switches are still supported by Cisco or HP or Dell or whoever. Right. And and the fact is that lifecycle really is a much broader coverage. For example, we decided when we created the standard that while everybody focuses on the hardware and software for ICT technology, what about governance? What about the security, both physical and cyber? What about logistics and procurement? You know, the supply channel has become a big deal. And that's a really important part. So, and we've, we've really experienced that in the last year or so with the pandemic related uh, delays and, and ex- extensions of lead times. So if, if I've got a switch that, that's end of life in six months and the lead time to get a new one is nine months, I have a problem, right? So you need performance and prescriptive standards to, to deal with that. And the big one for us was uh, human resources. Uh, we, we just hear endless stories about human resources, uh, taking technical requirements for a position and not really looking at how it dovetails into the organization and what is a fit. So you see a really high turnover in a lot of the IT positions because the position descriptions uh, just aren't accurate or don't fit with the organization. So we said from a life cycle perspective, We wanna protect the people, the processes, and the technology across all phases of the life cycle. So this really is a matrix standard.
0: So Jerry and David, you talked a little bit about some of the issues like cabling and things that you're trying to solve with the TR-60 standards, but what are some other examples of some issues you're trying to solve and how in particular will applying the concepts of life cycle management solve these issues?
2: David and I just had a meeting about that. I'll let him talk.
3: Okay, uh, so there's many places to start, but where you start to see the impact of not controlling life cycle management is just looking and thinking, why does everybody do a site survey before they do a project? Why is there no information about what's already there, that was what's been built? Because isn't that environment, be it an equipment room or a data center or uh, equip a tower and things why is it that they have to go and discover something that's being operationally managed by other people what do those operational management team have as information the answer is very little quite often it's in their heads so actually there is no option but to actually send someone out and travel around the world doing surveys for rolling out projects so that's one issue which is just the day-to-day waste that there is in it projects are delayed and it costs money to do this and while they're there They're creating an information management set to bring back, to help them plan their project. And every engineer that goes out does it in his own way in the time he has available, because really, it's getting a project that's important, not getting the information to start with. So that's one aspect. Another big aspect, more recent, is every cybersecurity framework and a lot of the government regulations, both uh, in the US and elsewhere, all say the same things, which is before you start trying to address cybersecurity, you have to understand what you have and you have to maintain that information because things change, threats change, but the technology changes and the regulations change. You have to maintain an understanding of your environment to be able to then work out, do I redesign my environment? Do I see some of my suppliers as being security risks because of their background or the way they employ people? So really, you can't secure an environment by design. You have to be able to react to issues. So yet again, we're back down to lifecycle management. You can design something that maybe has extra security on day one. But on day two, it's been compromised because the design's not been maintained or there's new issues. So two very simple areas that could be risk, it could be cost control, and of course, There's going to be mistakes. So, a lot of disruption that happens in environments is purely because people make assumptions because they don't have time to reverse engineer with every project. They can't afford the time to do it. So, they just assume there's a rack with equipment. When I go and put in a new switch, there should be space somewhere. And then, of course, that's what leads to bad practice and spaghetti cabling and all the other things. So, you can't plan. So, actually, how do you get out of this? And you only get out of this with lifecycle management. So very, that gives you a couple of examples.
1: Very good. The the site visit to see what's there so you can plan your work definitely hits home in a lot of industries, especially the one Michelle and I are currently in. Um so that's that's very interesting to see that there's consistency there across multiple disciplines. Uh one of the and, things and,
2: I'm sorry go ahead, Jerry. Go ahead. And the other thing is that and David touched on it is the reverse engineering aspect. If you have standardization and consistency in your naming, in the way things are built, then it makes it easy to administer and to manage and to, to, you know, to, find, to, to fix faults and, and business continuity and the whole thing. But the problem is that the way that, that most organizations work is that, that there's no consistency in the naming. Or if there is consistency, it's different. From organization to site to you know to country to whatever so essentially when a technician whether it's a, a, an IT tech whether it's a cable tech whether it's a you know a, 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 even an electrical engineer that goes in to work on things there's no consistency in the telecommunication space so you have to take time to learn every site and how it was built uh, we've even seen sites where uh, because of 20 years of growth, They've got 20 different numbering systems, right? So how do you record that? And how do you find what you're looking for if it's different? And so we've see, even...
1: Go ahead. I was just going to say, safe to say that there's plans for documenting the day two work. So day three yes. is more is easier to accomplish, correct?
2: Well, so I'm going to back up even a little farther. Okay. It goes into... Um, you know that old saying, begin with the end in mind. So if you go to planning and design and you're thinking about day two, whenever you're doing planning and design, then it's gonna make administration easier. I'll give you one good example. Something as simple as the placement of a rack in an empty, right, in an empty closet. So when I'm designing this system, Everybody knows that the rule is that if you've got a 10 by 12 room, you put an empty rack right in the middle of the room, right? Those are the rules, right? <laughs> but, but you, what do you name that rack? Well, it's the only rack in the room, so it's rack one, right? Well, what happens in five years when you've added a couple of racks on the right? One, two, three. Now, what do you do on year six when you add another rack? Do you go to negative numbers, right? Do you know what everybody does? Oh, well, this is rack four. So now you get us, you know, you go into this room and the numbers aren't in order. And if you add to compound the issue, you don't properly label every rack. It becomes a scavenger hunt just to do service. So our thought is this, and this is the whole concept behind TR60. Why not begin assuming that you're going you're to manage the full life cycle? Why not begin with the end in mind? So if I look at a 10 by 12 room, I assign spots. All the way to the left of the wall is the beginning of the racks. That's rack one. Then rack two, then rack three. I can still put the rack in the middle of the room, but it's rack four, right? Mm. That's counterintuitive but it's, it's thinking about the future whenever you plan. And that's the concept that drove us to do this standard.
1: And that's pretty evident in the way, when you look at the matrix of TR, the 30 TR60 standards, it's kind of, you're thinking about the end in mind, right?
2: Yes, yes. What's it gonna
1: look like five years from now when you have these 30 standards and how they're gonna work? Yes. Thank you for listening to part one. Be sure to look for part two, where we continue our TR-16 discussion with Jerry and Dave.
0: Thank you for listening to Industry Therapy presented by the Telecommunications Industry Foundation. The information expressed herein are the opinions of the individuals. They are not meant to supersede standards or regulations that govern the reference subject matter. For additional tip podcasts and other educational content or to submit a potential topic for a future podcast, please visit our website, tiffonline.org.